welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. And uh, also, hello to a guest that we have today, uh, who is uh, Alex Hudson. Uh, Alex, uh, can you uh, introduce yourself to our audience? Good afternoon. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me, and it's a pleasure to be part of your conversation. Um, so my name is Alex Hudson. I'm a portfolio CTO, and that means that I work with a number of different businesses uh, at the same time, trying to juggle their different uh, needs and wants and desires. And the kind of area that I specialize in is um, medical uh, software. Um, so software that is designed to run practices, clinics, hospitals, or software which is designed to diagnose, treat, and prevent uh, disease, so medical devices. Um, and most of the companies that I work with are relatively early stage startups, although I work with a, a kind of variety of different size organization and different maturity as well. Oh, it's great. So you've you've seen a, a whole range of organizations, and it uh, it sounds like you're kind of uh, similar uh, to Squirrel and 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 his uh, experience with lots of different clients, which makes it great that what we're here to do today is have uh, uh, maybe move from the uh, the rant that Squirrel had a couple weeks ago on non-functional requirements uh, to a bit more of a debate on that, and this is sparked by a uh, exchange that uh, Alex and Squirrel. Um, had on Twitter, which we'll link to in the show notes. Uh, we'll also provide a link to uh, uh, Alex's uh, website and, and uh, Twitter account. Um, to get into this, um, uh, Squirrel, can you kind of uh, recap your uh, the rant that we had a couple weeks ago for people sure. who might have missed that? Absolutely. Well, so I had a client who was um, using a technique that, uh, that I often teach uh, my folks, uh, which is called elephant carpaccio, dividing a piece of work into uh, tiny one-day slices uh, to do the work. And um, somebody said, well, Squirrel, you know, we, we, we're doing that and it's working great, but we really want to know um, how can we do that for, for non-functional requirements? And I got my answer ready because I, I had some thoughts on that topic. And he said, because, of course, you can't measure the business value for them. And the goal is to show business value every day as a result of what you're doing. And that was like a red rag to a bull. And I, I uh, gave him a bit harder answer than I probably, he probably deserved. It was a, a reasonable question. But um, the, the whole idea of non-functional requirements doesn't sit well with me, especially when you say, and you can't measure their business value. So uh, you, you and I, Jeffrey, had a, a good discussion uh, a couple of weeks ago. I uh, pre presented rather forcefully the point of view that um, non-functional requirements should be um, eliminated. We should have no concept of non-functional requirements and made that case um, in, in a, a, a rantish fashion and repeated it on Twitter. And uh, the result was that uh, my friend Alex um, uh, re responded with a strong disagreement and uh, we were off to the races. All right, uh, Alex. From your side, what was your what was your first response when you when you saw this from Squirrel Lady that there is no should not be a, a, such a thing as non functional requirements? Yeah, and I I definitely understand the point of view, and I think there's there's probably a, a kernel of um, strong agreement in here that's probably worth spelling out first because when people think about non functional requirements, I think what they tend to think about are these relatively nebulously defined uh, good things to have in a product. And we um, we, we were um, hearing about the illities in the last discussion. So things like usability and interoperability and, and scalability and things. And, you know, those all make sense. Uh, they're, they're kind of, you know, why would you not want to have that in your product? Why would you not state those as being things that are good to have and therefore people would work on? Um, and of course, the problem with that is it is a little bit, um, 
sort of motherhood and apple pie in some ways. They're, they're nice things to have. Nobody's going to disagree with them, but we're, we're not stating specifically what we mean by them. And I think one of the things that uh, Squirrel was saying, which I definitely agreed with, was, you know, if your non-functional requirements are effectively a poorly defined requirement and the, the acceptance criteria is, I know it if I see it, um, then that is probably, you know, a, it's, it's not really a good requirement in the first place. It's probably not even a non-functional requirement. There is probably something about the product that we want to state. Um, and, you know, if we can do that with a metric or, you know, so, some outcome at the end, which is more visible, that that clearly makes a lot more sense. Uh, and, um, you know, I think we were talking about things like um, we, we, the, the discussion about things like uptime. So if if, um, if we have a an illity type requirement of, you know, my um, system should have 100% uptime, um, then that's kind of a, a bit of a woolly NFR. Um, we can make some more specific statements about, okay, you know, there's people should be able to access the system 100% of the time. Maybe if the images don't load, it's not so much of a problem. And you can begin to try and define it. But then actually, as you go through that process of defining it, it forces you to think more clearly and more deeply about what it is that you're trying to say. What is the, what is the actual nub of the uh, requirement in here? And actually, where are those different trade-offs and, and the... The, the discussion about trade-offs, I, I definitely appreciate and agree with. So I think that side of things where we're saying, uh, okay, if your non-functional requirements are just poorly defined, poorly specified, needs, wants, and desires, and kind of warm, fuzzy things, yeah, they're, they're, they're nice to have, but they're, they're not really something people can work on. <laughs> uh, so that that's definitely where I agree. But I think there is a an area here where um, th there is a need for a non-functional requirement, a, a way of specifying things which are not necessarily directly about the capability of the software um, and i think usability is as an example um, i tend to think of non-functional requirements and, and and the view that i have of them is that they are uh, quality goals or quality objectives um, and and that is very much colored by i think my background in um, the kind of healthcare space and, and particularly the b2b space um, you, you'll be very specific about what your quality objectives are across an organization across an entire business and, and software objectives the um, the development or the running uh, the operations of software is no different in that regard um, but there's always going to be overlap as well and this is where i think things can sometimes be a little bit more difficult and i think this is why i would like to stand up for the non-functional requirements and in some ways because there, there are some aspects of them which are definitely functional but then there are other aspects where actually we're, we're asking the, the the business as a whole to do a lot more work because quality is one of those things where uh, it's got to be baked into everything you, you're, you're doing um, and to give an example of that uh, usability um, it is something that ought to be part of everything that we're doing so you know i agree that every piece of the carpaccio that you're um, attempting to serve up you, you're attempting to demonstrate business value you you want to have these kind of quality uh, aspects of the work uh, embedded in everything that you do it's not a separate standalone thing per se but then there's also this kind of overarching um, piece of design that needs to be represented in there somehow so if i'm if i'm making a system usable um, there are some elements of that which are detailed uh, bits of capability that will come out in the software and are very clearly visible in terms of, let's say, the interaction with a widget. If you want a new interaction because it's going to make the system more usable, you know, clearly that is something that's demonstrable in and of itself. Uh, but then there's a kind of overarching plan for how we make our software usable. Um, who, who are the people that we're going to work with? How are we going to define what is and isn't usable? How are we going to test it? Um, and there's there's 
an element of that which I don't think is so straightforward to slice up. I think there's a, an aspect of that which does need a bit of upfront design and a bit of upfront kind of planning and architecture. And that as you then go through the process of if it's a software product you're developing, um, you're kind of refining that and um, testing that in, in real life. And, and as you find that you're changing um, your, your thoughts about the design and how usability uh, then actually uh, comes through in the product, that you're then able to reflect back on the work that you had done previously and make decisions about uh, whether or not that design should then be kind of retroactively uh, changed or there are aspects to where you need to kind of revisit work. And, and, and that's the, the part of the work where I think non-functional requirements are useful to try to capture those um, kind of higher level, more abstract concepts, which you want to then apply in those kind of day-to-day -day, uh, functional scenarios. So it sounds like, if, if I want to try to recap, make understood correctly, <clears throat> that you, uh, that there's, uh, as you said, a kernel of strong agreement here where um, what a lot of times people will say are quote-unquote non-functional requirements are so nebulous that they they don't make them requirements at all. And uh, and that's that you agree that that's problematic, and and we definitely do agree about that. Yeah, like security is a requirement. You know, my application needs to be secure from hackers. You can't do anything with that, right? That's it's it's, it's a it's a uh, an outcome at best, and it's very very difficult to put anything around that. And that that's not useful to give anybody. But you're saying there is a value in you think some non-functional requirements, and you you have some examples, and and. Uh, that you, in these cases you're saying it's not something where it's a it's a functional requirement. There is a, a non-functional frame, and the example you uh, elaborated most uh, was um, the usability one. And uh, so I, I wonder, school, when you were hearing that, what was your what was your response to it? Was your in the is the uh, no non-functional requirement partisan? Yeah, well, I uh, haven't managed to find the disagreement yet because I didn't hear uh, Alex talk about any non-functional requirements. So that's that's where I'm confused. And it may be that actually we have a definitional question, which would be uh, interesting. That would match our uh, theory, Jeffrey, that it's uh, important, uh, it's valuable to to agree on what important words mean. So um, we we may we may we may not be agreeing about that. Um, but when you talk about usability, that seems like a eminently demonstrable and um, value able, that is a thing that you can value, um, uh, item. So uh, I know systems. Um, I have an example I've mentioned a few times on the podcast where um, we were building a system for people to use who were doing data entry. And we went to the people who were sponsoring the system. We said, hey, folks, we could make this, you know, these pages that take 30 seconds to load. We could make them take one second. We'd make the data entry people so much more efficient. They said, yeah, you know, we don't pay those people very much and, and they work overnight. So, um, you know, we don't really care as long as we get the results in the morning. So uh, could you do some shinier reports for us? So in that case, it was very good that we brought the usability question because it was very frustrating for those people. Let me tell you, it was not a usable system. Um, and they said, well, you know, they can just sip some more coffee. Um, uh, that it was good that we brought that decision to the um, business users and we said, hey, folks, which is important to you? Is usability important? And if they had said it was important, we would do exactly what Alex had said. We would have applied design principles and we would have um, uh, worked and, and done uh, planning and, and design that would have helped this system to be much faster for the users. We would have done all those good practices in order to create usability. 
usability wasn't that important in that particular system. If somebody's going to be um, uh, doing a, a medical procedure on me, I sure hope the system they're using is really usable so they don't amputate the wrong finger or something. You know, I'd, I'd kind of like it to, to, to work well. So in that case, people are in business, I hope, are going to say, yeah, my heavens, we better be usable here. We better have high quality. We better make sure that we don't give people the wrong dose of radiation or any of the other horrors that we know about. Uh, in the medical world. So I haven't found a disagreement yet, Alex. I, I think we agree that um, non-functional requirements as you're defining them, that is usability and and, um, uh, and so on are, and, and quality are things that are valuable. We should pay attention to them. I'm just saying we should go ask the business people about them before we go off and do them. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, um, you know, I, we're struggling to find some disagreement here. So let me try and uh, sort of describe where I think um, the sort of non-functional requirement could come up because clearly I as an engineer don't like the idea of a 30 second page load and that's one of those things you want to try and get rid of but there, there's clearly going to be times when it's it's not worth doing that um, and I think um, obviously Squirrel was talking about medical devices and, and a lot of the time and anybody's run a clinic or seen a clinic operating will know this the usability of these systems is not great so the, the idea that we have already sort of taken into account a lot of these non-functional requirements uh, is not demonstrated necessarily by the, the products that are in use um, the I, I think the difference here for me is that there's there's a kind of level of abstraction where a non-functional requirement is kind of sitting at a slightly higher level. And if I could give you an example with usability uh, in, in like a, a medical scenario, um, if you're running a clinic, it's always important um, to have a good understanding of who it is you're talking to. And um, that may be because you uh, want to make sure that you're giving them the right procedure. Let's say they've, they've come in to have something cut open and you're, you want to cut open the right arm or, um, or sometimes it's just actually um, being clear about what it is that somebody's there for. So a non-functional requirement in a clinical system may be something along the lines of, from a, from a usability perspective, I want to know who the patient is in front of me at all times. So if somebody's walked up to somebody on reception and they've started accessing their uh, appointment information or their information about their history and things, there could be a number of different screens that you want to go through in the system um, for a number of different reasons and obviously in some areas you might be billing somebody directly so there may be payment options as well as kind of calendar options and booking options and then information about what the patient is there for um, but from a, a, a kind of safety and usability perspective it's 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 very very common that you have full knowledge of who the patient is and often that would take the form of a bar at the top of the screen so you log into your web browser or whatever and, and as soon as you've kind of gotten the context of a patient that bar is across the top and there's a certain amount of information in there so that you can immediately compare that to notes that you have at hand, a lab report, something that's um, electronic or a fax or a bit of paper and say, yes, this is the, the, the person that I'm expecting. Um, and if that, that is a non-functional requirement. That is a, I want to always be able to identify the person that I'm speaking to and be able to see their, um, what we call the demographic information, the name, age, date of birth, uh, address etc and can i just clarify it, it, is that bar something you want to have on every single page is that what you mean by it being at a higher level or... no oh well, well I'm under, I'm not yes and no so i i think this is exactly the um the point the point is that there's an outcome the, the outcome is i want to be able to identify the patient i want to have their information readily to hand 
And it could be the case that as part of the design of the system, I have that as a bar at the top and a lot of systems do that. And then there are some parts of the system where it may or may not be possible to do that, or it may be a different system that we're then integrating into and I need a different way of being able to handle that. So this non-functional requirement then becomes a number of functional requirements when you're actually doing software design and development. And, and, and it may be that you have a, you know, a piece of design work to make this bar always appear across certain parts of an application or it may be that then in other scenarios because you're embedding for example a lab system into this uh, that you're you, you've got to move this information somehow you've got to present it in a different way maybe you're going to do a split screen type thing um, but the non-functional requirement is still the same the non-functional requirement is there's an outcome i need to be able to see who the patient is at all times but my functional requirements how i'm going to achieve that is is going to vary depending on the context of the work that i'm doing um, and and so i can still test that my kind of non-functional requirements are being met because that outcome is still something that i i should be able to achieve but the way in which it is achieved may vary throughout the system and obviously the more it varies the less usable it is and there's 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 different um, thoughts on then you know how you make that consistent but the, it, it, to me that that non-functional requirement is like a higher level slightly more abstract thing which we're then um making sure that people are taking into account as they're going through the, the the sort of design and development i got it but it's it's still something that you'd value it's still something that you'd you'd look at against other things and in my 30 second loading case you would say well hey we could spend this time on this overarching uh, goal of making pages load fast but hey guess what we don't care whereas in the medical context you might care an awful lot about having data quickly in a surgical environment for example you want to make sure you know quickly that um the, the patient is uh, losing um, um oxygen or something am i am i right in understanding that 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 you would be valuing that non-functional requirement as you define it you would be, but you wouldn't want to have to keep restating it for every different part of the system. It, it, it's sitting at a yes. kind of a higher level than that. Got it. Uh, what I heard is sort of like a, as a constraint, because the other thing that stood mm. out to me is you talked about it, Alex. I heard it as uh, a design uh, or arch you know architectural input, and as you said, at higher level before you get to the level of functional requirements, you're sort of saying um, we're using the same word here, requirement but they're being expressed at very different levels in the system. Yeah, I, you know, after our Twitter de debate, I went to go and see what the kind of standard definition for non-functional requirement is. And, and it turns out, and, and even in the structured approaches, uh, the IEC software development life, life cycle and things, there isn't an agreement or a, a particularly good definition. And I think, as you were saying earlier, Squirrel, understanding the same thing from the same phrase is, is obviously crucial when you're having these kind of conversations. Um, and I think the how you define what a non-functional requirement is and isn't um, and, and what then a functional requirement is, is obviously something that you, even if you're not being consistent about uh, amongst ourselves, for example, in this conversation, when you're within an organization and, and you're developing something, ensuring that everybody is, is singing from the same hymn sheet is extremely important. And the way that I tend to think about this, and I think constraints are an excellent way of talking about it, um, a, a non-functional requirement as a quality objective, as a statement about uh, an outcome that you seek to achieve, and, and you're you're talking about it in the abstract of, uh, you know, here is a a, uh, a level of service or a, a, a an environment the system needs to operate in, or you know, some other 
uh, goal or metric that you're attempting to meet and that probably you're not going to do an awful lot with that necessarily itself but it is going to then guide you in the development of uh, your functional requirements and the functional requirements then being how we describe uh, the, the specific capability that we want to build into a system or, or you know how we how we um, take forward a, a new piece of functionality we're we're almost um, relying on the non-functional requirements as some pre-baked decisions they're, they're things that we've already said at a high level are important and valuable that we want to then carry through to the decision making so you could almost think of them as almost like strategic uh, requirements that are, are going to be consistent and i think the um, approach when you're thinking about how to secure a system for example you have a lot of different ways of saying uh, of, of um, securing a software system particularly if it's going to be online and it's going to be web-based there's a number of different ways you can do it and you could say you know we're going to have a perimeter set up or we're going to have web application firewalls and we're going to examine traffic or you could take a kind of microservice approach and say oh we're going to have it at the kind of outside of every service and we're going to be very discriminating about the data we accept and you know there's no wrong or right way necessarily uh, but you, you you at least need to be consistent across an entire service and then having sort of non-functional requirements describe that architectural approach and that 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 kind of decision making that you'd already taken to me makes a lot of sense because it allows you to develop a a, a language about your system and a, a design uh, and whether you say okay we're not going to have non-functional requirements but we'll have architecture decision records or we're going to have you know high level statements of um constraint or goal uh you know performance objectives would be another one how many transactions per second or something does this the system need to be you know you, you don't need to state them per se as non-functional requirements versus functional but i i do kind of see that difference relatively clearly in that there's a an increasing level of concreteness as we get down to those functional requirements for me Got it. Well, I, I found a lot to agree with in there. Can, can I just check my understanding of, of one thing? Um, so uh, uh, I'm imagining that these kind of higher level architectural decisions that, you, that you've measured and valued, you've said, well, usability isn't so important for us, but boy, security really is, or the other way around. Um, that those might then inform individual decisions. You might have a doctor who come al comes along and says, you know, the system's great, but it's really frustrating to always have that stupid bar at the top that tells me who the yeah. patient is. I know who the patient is. Get rid of that thing. And you would want to be able to say, no, hang on. Yeah. We've made a, a, a strategic decision at the highest level here in the NHS that we, we want to have that bar. Or similarly, you often get users who say, oh, you have these stupid password requirements. They like make me, I can't use my password that I've always used everywhere else, password one. You know, why, why can't I just use what I always use? And you say, well, hang on a second. We have not only a responsibility to our own um, uh, business users who have told us that this is important, but a responsibility to society to, to not let you use a, a, a bad password because um, that leads to security breaches that can then have a broader impact on, on lots of people. So I, I think that's what you mean. You would want to be able to use this strategic requirement um, in order to inform tactical ones. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. And I, and I think it's, um, you know, when you think about how we define, you know, requirements in the agile sense and that that whole word itself is kind of not what we want to talk to people about. We want to talk to them about those outcomes and those the, the, the things that the system is doing for them. Um, to me, the, the non-functional level is the level at which it tends to be 
more straightforward to have those conversations at an executive uh, level. You know, if we're talking about um, performance, for example, the, the, the best conversation is about how many sales do you think you're going to be making a day? How many um, you know, customers do we need to be able to support on the system? And, and that's a, that, that to me is almost a non-functional thing. We, we want a system that can, that can uh, handle 10,000 sales a day. Then, you know, functional requirements in terms of, okay, what does that mean in terms of capacity? What does that mean in terms of how we design the system? How do we deploy it, et cetera? Those you can obviously put much more specific metrics around and, and, and are going to be a lot more useful for the engineering um, community. I think also the thing that I'd say about non-functional requirements is that as well as them being, in, in my experience, very useful for those business level conversations, there is also an optionality about them where um, even if you're going to take a, a, a non-functional requirement forward because it is valuable enough, it's not necessarily a software requirement. And if we look at performance as an example, you know that if you want to sell those 10,000 products a day, uh, there's some degree of design that may be required. But equally, you could say the system that we have right now, which is only capable of supporting 2,000 sales a day, well, we're going to scale that out by spending a lot of money in Amazon. And, and that could be perfectly fine as well, right? So you could throw a lot of hardware at something and fulfill the non-functional requirement without changing any of the capability in your software at all uh, whereas for me a functional requirement you probably don't have as much of that room for latitude you don't have as much ability to say well we can meet this requirement in other ways you know it's defining some capability and hopefully not too rigidly but there's still probably going to be some software change that comes out at the end of it Sure, and and for the for the scaling case, you could also throw people at it. So you could say, look, Absolutely. we're going to expand yeah. our call center, and we're going to take a lot more phone calls and write things down on pieces of paper and type them in later. That would yeah. be a method of increasing your sales with the same system. Absolutely, there's been all, all kinds of um, uh, agreement here. I'm, I'm uh, I think our our listeners might feel like, oh, well, this 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 wasn't much of a debate. This was no. a, a <laughs> mutual appreciation society, which is great. But I, I do want to come back because I think there's something interesting here in. Uh, and I, I think to me to summarize, it'd be useful to go back to you each had a sort of an instinct and a twitch about how you responded to the phrase non-functional requirement. And my hypothesis is that it's going to be somehow based on a fear of what would happen. And I want to sort of test that with you. I got this idea from Kent Beck uh, in his uh, Extreme Programming Explained. He said, every, every methodology reflects the fears of the, the person who designs it. And um, when in, for you, Squirrel, when you're in that team and they uh, said, oh, you know, the Sullivan Carpaccio stuff is great. <clears throat> We're delivering stuff every day. But of course, we can't do that with non-function requirements. What, what fear did that trigger in you? So that, that triggered the fear that uh, we would go into a black hole. And I, I'm often called in, and I, I, I bet Alex is too sometimes. Uh, I know Jeffrey has seen this as well that uh, I'm called in because the, the development team were going along just fine and then they seemed to disappear and, and they didn't do anything for three months. Squirrel, can you come find out what they're doing? And uh, I often find that, uh, I, I know one example leaps to mind where they replaced their database and they, they were meeting an important non-functional requirement, which was to do with scaling, in fact. Um, but they, they hadn't done this crucial bit where they actually informed anybody else about what they were doing. <laughs> and so um, the poor rest of the company were totally befuddled by uh, why suddenly development had gone silent and nothing was happening as far as they could see. And that was because they weren't part of the discussion. So I was afraid that um, the, this team would go you know, into a hole again, because that was exactly why I'd been called in in that case. 
And, and you could see even in the construction of how the person said it, which they said, um, of course, it doesn't work for non-functional requirements because those aren't about business value and the consequent being, therefore, we don't need to talk to the business about what we're doing or, or why. That's yep. kind of I'm squirming in my chair just as you describe it. You can imagine what it was like <laughs> when what was really happening. And and uh, Alex, in, in your case, if you can imagine you're you're at a at a come into a client and they tell you, you know, oh yeah, we we just we're, we're ignoring all non-functional requirements. We're just we're just focusing on the features and what gets done. What what fear does that evoke for you? Uh, I I think for me it's about that uh, longer term um, delivery of things that are important and and the the really common one that you see again and again uh, is accessibility right another one of the abilities uh always comes the the poor poor stepchild <laughs> like any design process and and the, the there are aspects of the medical de device uh compliance process which are painful there's a lot of paperwork there's a lot of administration things but one of the things that is very good at is it says there are certain things that you have to be able to do and you have to demonstrate that you do and, and you're not allowed to forget them and accessibility is one of them and i think it it it, it turns up then in a number of different um so it's kind of guises within the system because obviously we, we talk about accessibility and people think about okay how am i how am i going to use this if i'm a a, a user with uh, certain physical abilities or um, certain faculties the ability to interact with certain hardware or not um, and and all of that is kind of relatively standard but the um, knock-on effects of that are, are, are quite consequential and i, I think there's a there's a need to be able to look at a system at a number of different levels and and to me the kind of elephant carpaccio level is very kind of day-to-day -day, very tactical and making sure that people are also operating at the higher level where they're thinking about those uh, more strategic concerns my worry when people are sort of not really addressing the non-functional requirements is that they then tend not to address them at the tactical level as well and they don't have that language for what the need is they don't have the kind of architectural thought about how they're going to meet those needs and they may even have missed the requirement uh, entirely and you know I, I i don't think there's any right or wrong way that you can apply in every context because as we know there's all sorts of organizations doing very different things and i'm clearly colored by my experience in healthcare where there is a um not only a, a value to some of these things in terms of meeting the regulations and you know avoiding harming people which is always valuable um but there's a the, the kind of um brand the the attitude the culture that you're trying to create within an organization has to embed all of those qualities at quite a deep level and 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 i think for me the non-functional requirement discussions that way of uh ensuring that people are having those uh uh you know conversations about what those uh, attitudes and behaviors and things ought to be and the, the trade-off is exactly that the, the, the more of those types of conversations you have they're not necessarily as visible immediately the the, the value is future value it's it's um you know it, it's stuff that is going to appear further uh down the line and and become more obviously cumulatively valuable then but you've got to absolutely avoid that going into the black hole while you're doing it Right. It, it sounds like you, a different kind of black hole that you were worried about. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> but but we're definitely agreeing, I think, that uh, that going into the black hole of not showing the business what you're doing is um, uh, a catastrophe. So that, that fear that I have um, makes sense to both of us. I think I, I, I heard Alex saying that, and it certainly makes sense to me that he would have the fear I share it, that um, users uh, or developers would, would leave out certain types of users. My wife is blind, so uh, you know accessibility is super important to me, and I think that we should be valuing it and using it, but we should be showing it at every stage. Um, in usability, in the usability case, we should be showing that bar um, whenever we do demonstrations and say, as we know, we're making sure that we always know who the patient is. So here's the bar at the top of the screen that tells us, because that's our strategic decision. That's reinforcing it. That's creating the conversations. So I, I think we're uh, we're violently agreeing. <laughs> and hopefully our, 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 our listeners hearing this can hear about the two types of fears, uh, both the ones expressed by Squirrel and the one by Alex, and say, uh, yeah, if there's, maybe there's something in there. They can ask themselves, how are we uh, ensuring that we're not making these mistakes? How to make sure we're not going to a black hole, we're not communicating with the business, and how are we avoiding uh, uh, hurting our ability to deliver future value uh, by, by not considering and these trade-offs deliberately as we go along? Got it. So um, I'm going to suggest that we stop there and thank Alex. Uh, if, if people would like to get in touch with Alex, uh, we're going to include his uh, contact information in the show notes. Uh, thanks again, Alex. We really enjoyed having you on. It's been an absolute priv privilege. Thank you very much. Super. And I'll just give our, our usual outro. So uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you find us on troubleshootingagile.com and there's Twitter and email and all the good stuff. The book comes out in May. We always want people to um, have, a, have a look at that pre-order and get on our mailing list, all the good things. And of course, we'll be back again next week. So if you click subscribe in whatever your favorite app is that you use for podcasts, uh, you know, we even came out on Christmas. So we're, uh, we're sure to be here every Wednesday with uh, new, exciting uh, troubleshooting agile ideas and sometimes a, a rant that turns into a, an agreement. So uh, we look forward to seeing listeners again next time. Thanks, Jeffrey and Alex. Thanks, Carl.